for epilepsy, there is hope. Hey podcast listeners, Tori Robinson here for Epilepsy Sparks Insights, a podcast about epilepsy, epilepsy research, common comorbidities and all of the fascinating science behind it. Whether you have epilepsy, are a family member, a neurologist, neuropsychiatrist, therapist, neurophysiologist, scientist or researcher, Epilepsy Sparks Insights is designed to help you learn more about epilepsy from the other side of the table. I'm a person with epilepsy and some missing brain tissue. I hope to help bridge the unnecessary gap between patients, the public and the aforementioned. Because epilepsy research and science are cool. So if you can imagine the anxiety of having that constipation or that chronic lethargy from constipation, I mean that in itself may affect seizures. Who? We don't really bring up issues regarding constipation or the reverse enough. Well, today I'm talking to Sally-Anne Remnant, an epilepsy nurse specialising in helping those who have epilepsy and intellectual disability. Sally's great and she'll be telling us about her study into constipation amongst those with epilepsy and intellectual disability and indeed how constipation may encourage epileptic seizures. We talk about how digestive issues are something for nurses and doctors to bring up with people with epilepsy but also vice versa. So, if you want to hear more about this sillyly taboo subject that generally is not given enough attention, and if you haven't already and want to, do subscribe to the channel. Together, let us improve outreach, epilepsy awareness, understanding, and research funding. Hi, hi Tori. Um, so my name is Sally Ann Remnant, um, otherwise known as Sally. Um, and um, I am a adult epilepsy nurse specialist, and I'm based in Brighton. And I also work for myself. I have a company called um, Epilepsy Explained, which basically um, provides myself and some amazing colleagues who are trainers, uh, clinical trainers. We teach, well, I'd say all around the country, but it seems to be mostly the South, all about epilepsy, uh, rescue medications uh, specifically, because obviously there's a huge need in, a, in care organisations to, to know about that, know how to safely administer rescue medications like buccal midazolam. Um, and also uh, we offer, I do consultations with private patients sort of around safety and SUDEP and again teaching, clinical teaching. Uh, and I'm often um, asked to do some advisory things, policy writing. Um, and I'm also uh, an executive member of uh, ESNA, since uh, December, which is which is uh, a privilege. So ESNA is the Epilepsy Specialist Nurse Association for the UK. And I think my role actually, which is um, great, is kind of an international ambassador to start getting some of our nurse uh, and colleagues and clinicians from all over the world to come and join us and benefit from our knowledge, share knowledge, and for us to benefit from, from theirs because supporting people with epilepsy is not just the UK. Um, you know, it's very different if you think about other um, countries, especially um, more maybe socially deprived, um, financially deprived and medically deprived countries. So that's my role, as well as getting my finger in lots of other pies. Well, we were actually just talking about having one's finger in too many pies sometimes, weren't we? Like, because oh you've got such a passion for what you do. Sally and I know each other, by the way, and have done, we met at an International League Against Epilepsy um, conference, didn't we? Um, but she, you just do so much and it's important that we kind of focus our energy and uh, everything on fewer and prioritise, yes. So, and talking of prioritisation, we're gonna talk about something which is not spoken of enough, reminds me of um, 
the chats uh, a wonderful Charlotte and I did about sex when you have epilepsy we're talking about constipation there you go put it out there pooing when you have epilepsy um, it's, it's generally a thing that I think home sapiens tend to do is pooing um, but it's often well you tell us about tell us about your work to do with poo and the, your studies to do with poo and, and what you've learned from that and what we can learn from that, both clinicians and patients. Typically, nurses were always involved in poo in some way, or shape or form, literally. Um, but my interest came when I was doing my um, the, the medical MSc at King's or a few years ago um, in epileptology. And um, I was asked, you know, doing the, the the research study what are you going to choose and I thought well you know there's so many things and I remember talking to colleagues to say well we still haven't found out whether constipation has, has any relationship um, with maybe triggering seizures and I said well it's a given we all know that you know I've spoken to colleagues so anecdotally we're all we all realize that there is an aspect that um, you know constipation can trigger off seizures in lots of people that we support, especially people maybe with neurological difficulties or uh, more profound or moderate or profound learning disabilities. So um, I asked around a few colleagues just to sort of get a, a feel of whether it would be relevant. And it was all, you know, yes, yeah, someone's got to do it. We've always wanted to do it and no one's ever done it. Um, so my wonderful mentor, Lena Nashef, who is the uh, consultant, uh, one of the consultants, um, epileptologist really, um, at King's College, uh, she was my mentor and she supported me uh, in, in sort of doing this research. So would you, would you like to know a little bit about the research? Yeah, definitely. Tell us because I said it's something people don't talk about and we need empirical evidence to back up our supposed claims about um, pooing and it's linked to epilepsy. So. So, um, I mean, I was very lucky enough to do it this at King's um, and have the backing of King's. And I, I must admit, I did really well in my master's because of this research. And also I, I won uh, the Bateman Award for it. And also the uh, I won a, a post award for the, the novel uh, research, uh, as it was, uh, when we went to the earlier uh, day uh, week in Prague a few years back. But so the, the nature of the study really was to um, we, we put a focus group to see if it would be of any interest just to see whether this actually is anecdotal. You know, is it worth researching? Uh, and it was. And then we put a pilot study together. So um, I uh, worked and, ha and was uh, close to a, an epilepsy service in Surrey who cared for and supported people with learning disabilities and uh, predominantly epilepsy. So I approached them with my research hat and they were really happy for me to go along and to, to look at the books. There wasn't so much ethics involved because we were looking at retrospective anonymized data. So um, we managed, we looked at, I say we, the royal we, that was me. I looked at um, about 63 or 65, I think it was, um, people with learned disabilities who live there. So I'll call them patients for now. It had an inclusion and exclusion criteria of uh, they had to have certain uh, seizure types. They had to have, um, you know, that guaranteed, not non-epileptic attacks or anything like that or, or disassociative seizures. So anyway, the ones we had left was about 11 of them. And uh, what we did, we captured data about their seizures and then we captured uh, correlated data, so seizure charts and bowel charts, um, relating to their um, constipation. And how we actually diagnose constipation, we used a, a theory called Rome 3, and it's a, an assessment process where we identify whether someone's constipated or not. Now, 
I know people say, well, we should know when we're constipated. You know, it's it's easy. You know, we don't we, we strain or we or we we don't go to the toilet and we don't talk about it. Um, however, there it, there has to be strict criteria because you can't all be constipated and you can't all not be constipated. So the the kind of things that they look for are um, if you've um, if your bowel is infrequently open, um, sort of less than three times a week. Now, for some people listening to this, going, "Oh, that's normal for me," but for others, it's, "Oh my goodness, that's awful." And then one of them, just just such an example, is if you strain for maybe a quarter of that time, um, and that is in itself, you know, a problem. Um, and also the other one is if you have hard stool. So when I say the word Maltesers to everyone, I'm, I'm not talking about the chocolatey variety. I am talking about the, the pebbles that we recognise. If you've ever looked at the Bristol stool chart, there's a chart of what's, what should your poo look like, which is is fun. And I actually got some mugs made for colleagues when I was... Um, <laughs> poo mugs, great. <laughs> I loved it. I don't know where my mug, it's gone so it's gone missing, I think. Anyway, um, so we got this data, we, we correlated and, and we found something like 75% of this 11, I know it's only a small group, actually had an increase in seizures when they were then constipated. So um, we then, so we had the evidence that there, there was some sort of statistical significance, that there was a relationship. I mean, this is a pilot study and this could be taken further, of course, but also it looked at, um, uh, it, it kind of, well, well, let's put a theory out there. Why could this happen? You know, why would seizures increase? But most of these people who we narrowed down into having this relationship between constipation and seizures, they also had temporal lobe epilepsy, which as you probably know is an autonomic, can be an autonomic reason behind uh, temporal lobe epilepsy. And we were wondering maybe that was something to do with it. Um, but the other sort of thing that stood out a mile really was um, we knew about um, how constipation, chronic constipation can affect the way your, you know, the, the way your bowel moves. So, yeah. you know, when you eat something, it doesn't move. Yeah. It doesn't move or doesn't move. So when you eat or take tablets, it takes a while for it to be uh, gastric emptying into the small intestine. So the small intestine is the massive part. But when it's when it's you know it's got more surface to absorb uh, and mo absorb your drugs and also you know it has to go around those long tubes. But anyway, so um, basically the what we're saying is that constipation that could be caused by drugs or the the underlying neurological problem has had an effect. On the motility of the medication and thus the drug absorption so the drug absorption then would possibly go down which then makes them vulnerable to seizures so we didn't look into that bit so I'm, I'm hoping that anyone listening to this may, may look into that side um, and prove that as a point. I hope they may also look into the fact that constipation can be so stressful like so even disregarding potential um, effects on absorption of um, anti-seizure medications the stress and literal pain caused by constipation could massively affect a person's likelihood of having a seizure so i think there are different angles to look at this right in potential um continuation of this study so i mean you if you've been constipated i think we all have and you know you've got to get on with your life and get on with your day you know that has a knock-on effect of oh my god i don't really want to go out today because i feel terrible or what about if I go to work today or I have to do this presentation today and then suddenly my bowels open, you know, because it's, it's, it's time and the anxiety of that. So if you can imagine the anxiety of having that constipation or that chronic lethargy from constipation, I mean, that in itself may affect seizures. I mean, there's nothing, there's no proof out there, but it, it's all anecdotal. But there's a few studies waiting to happen, definitely. Um, 
so yeah it it, it was um it was really good and i and i um i'm hoping to publish it at some point it was it is retrospective data but it'd be nice to open up the floor to to more people getting involved i'm happy to get involved um um, a little bit with maybe the, the looking into further studies with constipation and the effects on seizures. But I, I won the award saying that I've, I've basically identified that constipation is a likely trigger for some people uh, with their seizures. And that's people mainly with maybe neurological problems, functional problems, a bad diet, you know, not, not having good mot uh, mobility. Some of the group had cerebral palsy, so they, they couldn't uh, move, they couldn't walk, they're in wheelchairs. And so they had an underlying neurological problem that basically affected how the bowel worked anyway. So they were kind of, uh, it was a given sadly that they had this constipation problem. So it was always going to be there and we, we needed to manage it better so that it didn't affect the seizures, but it did affect seizures in these particular uh, respondents. When I did my research, and I've, I've obviously been looking around the subject uh, before we started talking just to see if there's been any more research out there, and there hasn't been except for this, this study um, uh, in 2015, you'll find it in Epilepsy Behaviour Journal, and basically it's called Constipation Enhances the Propensity to Seizure, so that the risk of increasing seizures in especially drug, particular drug, induced seizure models in mice. And what they looked at um, was two groups of, of mice. Uh, and as you probably know, mice have a very similar brain structure to humans, same as cats and so on. One group is obviously like an epileptic mice, so they, they've been drug-induced, had seizures, and they have, they, they have um, perpetual seizures, so they what we call an epileptic seizures, mice seizuring group. Um, and they were given um, leperamide and, and another drug to cause them constipation. And... Um, they were all affected in this group, causing them to have worse seizures when they were constipated. So there has been a trial as, as such in an animal model showing you that there is an actual physiological link between being constipated and actually having seizures. So I think taking my um, study and maybe looking at this does give you a little bit of ammunition, a little bit of information to maybe go on and, and look into this a bit further, which would be brilliant. Uh, but there's nothing else out there. But maybe we should do some more research. You're making me think of, and we discussed this before recording, but there was a, a, a case of a gentleman um, who had Down syndrome and he has, uh, he struggled with abilities to communicate um, effectively. And well, you continue this story. It's, it's an awful, awful story, but one we can certainly learn from. Yes, yeah, so I have the paper here actually, and I hope you don't mind me sharing. So it's a, it's a bit of a sad, sad paper. Um, uh, reading between the lines, so this is a, a lovely gentleman uh, uh, that was in 2018, I think, um, called Richard Handley, and he had a, he had a, a background of, of learning disabilities and Down syndrome. Now he had chronic um, constipation. I think he was probably conservatively treated, you know, with laxatives. And if you are if you're using laxatives all the time, you can get very much a lazy bowel. And they, he had a, a like you know a very large tummy. So eventually they identified that this was constipation. Probably too late, and uh, went in had an operation, and then he died um, after a heart attack because he inhaled um, after the surgery um, some of the the, the bowel content or or, or uh, feces. Uh, he vomited it up because obviously with constipation it, um, it can affect and you can vomit uh, feces actually. Um, and um, and that's what sadly was um, how he died. So this is a really sad story because you know he um, lost his life because of the complications of constipation. And I think very much it was 
um, not picked up. It should have been picked up earlier. And this, this is a person with Down syndrome and chronic constipation, but this could be someone with epilepsy who has uh, extreme or chronic constipation. It's, it's even more important to, to, to make sure that, that you know, we're watching bowel care, supporting bowel care and referring on to the right people um, because you know, this can ultimately lead to fatalities such as this case. Um, but more importantly, these people deserve to be you know, looked after, not just here, but you know, everywhere else as well. Be f physically comfortable as well as, as, well as neurologically and psy psychologically. I'll tell you a little bit more about constipation generally. I mean, you'd be blown away um, about the sort of statistics and, and, and how it affects us all. So the cost on the patient and the, and the, and the, the, the issue with the patient having constipation, but the cost on the NHS, um, especially in the current climate, we're looking at about £150 million spent because people come into hospital and they end up in the wrong department and they cost a lot of money to, to sort of remedy. Whereas if they'd been treated beforehand, before going into hospital, that would have saved a lot of patient time, patient discomfort and obviously NHS money. Now, there's over a hundred million pounds just spent on prescribed laxatives and I don't know how many millions are spent over the counter. And I say that because about most people are too embarrassed, as you said, to talk about constipation. So they don't go to the GP. They might, especially especially the chaps, they'll go off and either pick up something or get their wives or partners to pick up something over the counter. And if they can't remedy themselves, there's only about 25% that will actually then go on to the GP and say, look, I've got a problem. So this builds up and builds up. And then you can see why people end up in agony, thinking they've got some sort of appendicitis or something like that, or worse end up in hospital and we find out, oh my goodness, this was constipation, this should have been treated a while ago. You've, you've kind of ignored the, the signs or your diet, you know, the usual stuff. Um, but what was really interesting is in 2014-15, this is where the studies come from, uh, there was over uh, just under 70,000 people admitted um, just for constipation. I mean that that's her on and then so so fifty thousand of these were unplanned emergencies. That was like one hundred and thirty three people a day coming in with just constipation. Well, it's interesting you say with just constipation, but it's never going to be just constipation, is it? That is the the box that was ticked to come in, but there are going to be other things alongside that, no doubt, that cause the constipation. I also think when people come into clinic um, and they, they they bring their questions, and I think it's quite important for clinicians to actually have a little box there to say how are your bowels because we never ask that question because it's embarrassing and you know we, we ask women about periods you know because obviously there's a small 10 percent of women that have seizures brought on by different estrogen progesterone level before periods um, but we don't ask about poo because people are like, oh it's fine thank you very much you know thank you why should i be talking about poo? what's that to do with my head um, so it's, it's a question that really needs to be brought up and if the bowel's fine that's fine but if you start to pick up these chronic uh, bowel issues and constipation um, you know we're all connected and don't forget our second brain actually lives in our gut. Wouldn't it be interesting actually if somebody um, wh whether it's the individual with the epilepsy or carers whoever uh, when they do a seizure diary if they could put down how's your tummy at the same time you know do you have regular uh, defecations or you know are you bunged up when i do my teaching i uh, it's it's very much um i've got a, a whole slide on triggers and it's very much in there and i tell them the story about how i kind of um sort of researched it 
and then um, we always ask when we do our seizure description there's, there's a, a box there that please tell us all about triggers whether it's they're excited they're sad they've been ill they've had a covid vaccine they've had the flu you know um, and whether they were constipated or whether they're menstruating so we have that as a thing to pick up because in this field that I this this area that I, I, I look after so people who learn disabilities as you say there's, there's a high population of people who learn disabilities and neurological difficulties that have epilepsy so if you've got a neurological difficulty it doesn't just give you epilepsy it can also give you other things such as you know how you process the you know bowel movements and things so uh, bowel should definitely be on on the let's just ask that question but she's been identified as a trigger now so it should be on that yeah i think that would be great and again i'm thinking of people with lack of mobility of course like lack of jigging your bits all right around you it's like, even just walking really really helps so you're thinking of people who don't have physical mobility that is going to be such an issue, likely, I imagine. Um, what would be really interesting, I don't expect anybody to, you know, uh, give me a poke to tell me, but that is how many people listening to this have bowel issues, have constipation issues, you know? And if you've ever been through that, as a clinician or a mum or a dad or a brother or sister, recognise that how that might feel for the person that you love or your patient and think, Okay, that on top of the fact that maybe that brings on seizures. Can we just flip it around? Because I mean, I'm I'm not embarrassed. I'm going to have a IBS, so I go to the loo a lot, uh, which is not fun. Uh, sometimes when you do plan to go out, you know, you get a bit nervous and things. But generally, you know, it's not just about constipation and whether that affects seizures, drug absorption, and so on. But if you are having diarrhea or having frequent bowel openings, you know, runny frequent bowel openings. Then, then that can maybe affect in, in just the same same way. Um, so I think if it's any bowel problems, you know, treat it as a as a as a proper, um, you know, problem and 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 get it seen to. So don't just rely on that algorithm of laxatives, especially laxatives that causes a lazy bowel. Can be very yeah, very dangerous. You know, it needs to be seen um, by you know if if it's not working and it's causing problems, you need to see a specialist. Um, and I know Kings, when I was there, um, were working on this constipation pathway to make sure people um, who came in with that issue were, were seen by the right people. Um, a, to, to help people, but also to, to reduce that burden of cost, which was unnecessary, really, um, in the UK. Um, I, I'll tell you a little story about, uh, you, you, you'll, you'll love this, Tori, I know you. Um, so I worked um, at Kings doing this project, and I also learned about a product called peristine now what do you think that is when i say peristine you think of periscope oh, don't you okay i should, should do. do yeah go on i learned an, an action implemented this peristine product which is um a so people with severe uh, maybe neurogenic bowels who have awful constipation they can't help themselves and they've tried everything um and then they come to well they came to me at this particular point and i had this product where you inserted it into the rectum it stayed into the rectum like with a little balloon that kind of kept it there and you gently pumped from a little bag gently warm water and it kind of you did it sort of every few days and it chipped away i mean you can imagine it chipped like a away boulder of poo that it's chipping away at oh my goodness. so if you can imagine so if you imagine a brick wall and if you've got a sledgehammer and you just sort of tapped a little bit here and a little bit there you're not going to knock down the wall so that you do a little bit more and you do a little bit more. Now you've weakened the surface and then you do a bit more and you do a bit more. And then suddenly, well, hey, it all goes. 
and that's what this product was like and I must admit the patients were extremely happy and uh, I was so grateful that we had this um, peristeme to to work on some people and and I think this is where people need to be identified if they've got chronic constipation um, they need to be seen and then they need to go through that trial of all the different things that can help them um, so that they reach the thing that helps them the most. So it's not bowel irrigation like you would get um, at a spa because that can be that can be wonderful but and it goes higher up in the bowel uh, it's just um, just the rectum so it, it kind of and then it stimulates the bowel to open so it's been quite effective actually. So Sally if anybody is interested in continuing and working with you further on this research project what should they do? Well, you can give out my NHS uh, mail uh, address. That'd be fantastic. Um, I think what I'm looking forward, I'd be really pleased to advise on someone taking this project further and maybe using some of my uh, data and, and then maybe co-author. Um, but as you said, I've, I've got my finger at too many pies. I don't want to do the whole thing. But if someone wants to take this idea and work with it, I, I do think it's a project that could help a lot of people. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.